Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hello, hello. Hold on a second. Taylor. I'm trying to figure out how to start video. Hold on. There we go. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. Hey. Everything's running a little behind today. All um, good. Thank you for uh, for taking the time here to join us. No, absolutely. Thank you for having and, me. Yeah, and uh, I, um, I was asked if I'd talked to you prior, and I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, I've never had that before, and, and we have, but it's been about nine years uh, when I was doing the okay. afternoon show uh, at Seafox uh, here in Vancouver. So, uh, But welcome to my podcast. And uh, Thank you for having me, and I, good to I, talk to you again. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm curious, um, you know, it's on everybody's mind. We're all living it. How's, how's, how are you adjusting your camp to, to life and surviving COVID? You must be jonesing to get out on the road like everybody. That is an, is an understatement of the century, I think. Um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm going through tour withdrawal at this point. It's been so long, um, especially with putting out a new album, like not being able to play it live is just the strangest feeling in the world. Like it just... The circle doesn't feel complete. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to stay patient like everyone else and, you know, hopeful that, that the world is, you know, getting on the right track and, you know, we're on the path to healing and that, you know, live shows will come back sooner than later. Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and does it feel like a weird time to be releasing a record in a pandemic or was there, was there ever talk of like, okay, maybe we should hold off or like, what, what was that in your camp? Yeah. Um, well, we actually finished the album, you know, before the pandemic um, and we were, we pretty much had it ready to go. And then, you know, lockdown started and everything, you know, went crazy. Um, so we've been sitting on this album for a little over a year now and we finally got, cause I didn't want to put it out and not be able to tour. Like it just, like I said, that feels so strange, Weird. Uh, but we finally got to a point where it was like, you know, like there's a song on the record called 25, which I wrote that when I was 24 turning 25 I'm now 27. I was like, we can't, I can't sit on this album forever. Like it's, you know, what do we mean? Put it out when I'm 30, like <laughs> just close your eyes, pick a date and go. Right. Uh, especially cause I think that this album actually, you know, even though entitled death by rock and roll, I think this, this album is a very hopeful record. And I think that that's something that, you know, we could all use a little more of right now, a little more hope and, a, and you know, can't we all use a little more rock and roll always. So always, Always. Yeah. Uh, and death by rock and roll. I definitely want to dive. Like I want to get into how it's recorded, working with the guys in Soundgarden and everything. But before we get there, I want to, I want to pave the road to get to where we are today. And I, I thought we'd go back to the beginning before you were in any bands at all. What's the music in the Momsen house like as a kid growing up? What are your, what are your bands, your parents playing? What are the bands, the artists? Uh, is awesome. I grew up, uh, I grew up in a household where my father is a massive rock and roll fan. Like if you walk into my, my parents' house, it essentially looks like a rock and roll museum of paraphernalia. Um, so, so I grew up, um, not being able to get away from rock and roll, even if I wanted to, but luckily I didn't, I fell in love with it. Um, you know, the first band I ever heard was the Beatles and that's, that's really where I just, I fell in love with music. Like it's, you know, I, I, 
I, as they're, you know, the first band I fell in love with, the first band I ever heard, they're the reason I started writing songs in the first place. So that's really where it all kind of stemmed for me, um, was the, the Beatles, but then also, you know, it was my dad's final collection. So it was the Beatles and The Who and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and ACDC and uh, Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix. And like, you know, the list just goes on and on. So it was, I, I grew up in a household that was very, very fortunate that um, I got a really, really, you know, the best musical education from, you know, the day I came home from the hospital and when I was born. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good dose of all the core bands that you need to know, you know? Exactly. And, and you know, once you go great, where are you going to go from there? So like when I got a little older, I, I kind of discovered some of the nineties stuff um, on, on my own. And that's, that's where it kind of expanded a little bit. Like I got really into Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, you know, all of, all of those Seattle bands. But really when I heard Soundgarden, that changed my life. Like it was, it was like hearing the Beatles again for the first time where it was just this pinnacle, pinnacle moment where I just, my head went back and I went, what the, what yeah. did I just listen to? Like, this is incredible. There's so many layers. Like The direct like, correlations, the ties, the parallels between, I've had this conversation with many people about the Beatles and Soundgarden. Like Soundgarden was present day, Beatles. Oh yeah, no. Like to me, you know, desert island bands, like the Beatles, Soundgarden, I'm good, and then like everything in yeah. between, like I would miss. But like it's, I, I'm, I'm. If I had to pick two, like that's, that's really what I think formed my my. It was a huge part of my musical formation, I guess. Right. So how did you stumble onto getting Matt and and Kim, uh, Kim. Kim to 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 play on the on the album? Um. Well, we you know it kind of stems from a you know kind of a sad story but um you know we were opening for Soundgarden on their on that last tour um which was incredible I mean it was the highest of highs like I couldn't I couldn't believe that we were there like <laughs> opening for Soundgarden like it was it blew my mind it was, it was absolutely the most amazing experience and then you know it obvious and so I became friends with them on that tour and um you know it obviously ended uh, very tragically which you know with the with the passing of chris that that took everyone by surprise but really that really crushed me in a way that i still don't know how to put into words um and it kind of took me down this 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 rabbit hole of you know de de depression and substance abuse and everything that comes with loss and you know and because shortly after we lost chris we also like we went through a lot of hits in the pretty reckless world um shortly after the music world lost chris we i, I found myself not in a good place to be public like I, I came to that conclusion fairly quickly of like I I can't get on stage every night and pretend that I'm okay when I'm kind of falling apart inside and so I, I canceled touring and, and went home to kind of regroup and um and process and and as soon as I kind of started to get my feedback on the ground I I got a phone call that our producer Cato had died in a motorcycle accident and that was just the nail in the coffin for me where I just spiraled down like very quickly into, you know, this hole of darkness that I didn't really know how to get out of. And sorry, I'm kind of rambling now, but to, to make a very long straight, there's no way to not talk about these things um, while speaking about the album, because it's just, it's, it's such a part of it. Um, and so to make a very long story short, it was, it was music was the thing that I turned to that really kind of pulled me out of this funk. Um, you know, when I finally picked up a guitar again and, and started to write, I, I feel like I didn't, I feel like this record's different in a lot of ways in the sense that I didn't really have to try to write it. 
I kind of, it just kind of poured out of me whether I wanted it to or not. Um, it was like all these, all these emotions and all these things that I had been feeling a bit like repressing for, you know, months on end, as soon as I kind of, you know, cracked that door open, it was like a dam exploding and it just all overflowed. And that, that in itself was very cathartic. Like that was kind of the first step of me, um, healing and getting my life back on track, I guess. And so anyway, <laughs> back to Matt and Kim, <laughs> I wrote the song only love can save me now. And, uh, and just, I love that song. And just due to the, you know, the, the kind of overall vibe of it, I just, I thought that, you know, Matt and Kim's just incredible, masterful musicianship, they would add such a, a weight and a quality to it that would really take the song to the next level and, and really see it through to its full potential. So I sent them a demo of it and said, would you guys want to, would you guys want to play on this? Like, I think that this could be really awesome. Um, <laughs> and they listened and said, yeah. And, and the experience was fantastic. I mean, we, we actually record, it was one of the last songs we recorded for the record. Um, we did it in Seattle at the legendary London Bridge Studios, which is, you know, where Soundgarden made Louder Than Love and Pearl Jam made 10 and Allison Chains made Dirt. And, um, Yes. you know so many other records so just so to be there like and I'm a firm believer that like spaces are kind of like people they hold memories and energy and you know inside the walls and so just walking in there and it was incredible you could just feel you could feel it you know and and then to be there with Matt and Kim and have Kim walk around and point to everything on the wall and have a story about it was just absolutely amazing and then to get to the actual recording of it to hear that song come to life for the first time in a real way like the first time Matt hits his snare and the first note that Kim plays it just exploded out of the speakers of pure and utter awesomeness that only they can deliver and it just you literally absolutely incredible can you see this my hair no I know I still get goosebumps it was standing up right now like freaking Soundgarden is helping you with a song like it's absolutely insane and like I don't I don't want to speak for them because that's not my place but um but I love them I love them so much like I I, I there's not just as musicians, which is like, obviously, I don't have to say that, but as people, like, they're so incredibly kind, like they're everything you want them to be and more like it's, you yeah. know, you always hear don't meet your idols because you know, they can go south really quickly. And like they, there's so much, there's, I, I don't have words. I just, I love, I love you guys, Matt, Kim, yeah. Ben, I like, I love you guys. And, um, and it just, I'm so grateful that they were a part of this and, and, uh, and it was just this very full circle moment, like after all this hell, like to, to be there together, creating something new, I, I felt like it was this very beautiful moment um, and really just shows kind of the healing power of music. And uh, I don't know, it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. That's, I mean, that's such a cool thing to have, especially being such a big fan of the band, right? Like that's something that's mind to be with mind, you. Mind blowing like that. Yeah that's an experience I will never ever forget and I will forever cherish. And, um, you know, maybe yeah. it's, I don't, I don't even know where to, I don't know how to continue to talk about it. It's, <laughs> so it's pretty so cool. Awesome. Well, you gotta listen to it. It's so awesome. <laughs> what was your first concert? What show did you see first? First concert? I get, um, well, my dad took me to a lot of shows. I was born in St. Louis. Um, and so my dad took me to a lot of shows. There's a club there. Uh, it's actually Chuck Berry's club called Blueberry Hill. Mm. um and so i saw a lot of like local bands and things when i was like a baby he would like sneak me in um so i wasn't i wasn't actually as a bar i wasn't actually supposed to be there um but the first like real rock show i saw um was the white stripes and i was probably like i don't know maybe seven or eight something mm. like that and it was it was awesome first yeah. of all, i love 
I love Jack White. White Stripes are amazing. And I was, I was just flabbergasted by the fact that two people could make that much noise. Like that was a very pinnacle moment in my life where I went, like I already knew I loved rock and roll. I had already started writing songs. I was already playing guitar and piano and stuff, but like I had never experienced that kind of power from a live show before. And it just, uh, the, the whole thing, my head went back and I went, I want to do that for a living. Like that's, that <laughs> I'll, one take, job. I'll take some of I'll that. Take that yeah. I'll take that yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that reminds me of, uh, uh, do you ever get into Royal blood? Speaking to two, two, two people that, and you know, that's a what they're making. Like, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Love I mean, I've, I've heard a little bit of Royal blood. I'm, I'm honestly like it. I, I know I sound stupid when I say this, but I don't really listen to a lot of new music. So I kind of hear it in passing, you know, flicking the radio and stuff, but yeah. um, I don't I kinda, know if that's stupid. I think it's probably more just like a, a, a general statement of most people. Like I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of naive. Like I don't even know how you discover new music now. Like I'm, I, I also treat music like music is really precious to me. Like I treat it like I, like I want to treat my body. Like I, music to me is, you know, it's soul food. It's your mind food. So I, I want to feed myself only the best of that. Um, and so I try to, I kind of just tend to stick to the greats, you know, they're, the, they're the called greats for a reason. Like you can't, you can't go <laughs> yeah. wrong there. And then, you, you know, you're never going to dumb down your brain in any, in any way. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Taylor, as you, might expect when I said that you were going to be a guest of the podcast. Um, there's a bunch of pretty reckless fan questions I want to get to here. Um, Tyler wants to know, he goes, uh, ask her how she feels that the WWE is using. And so it went as the theme for their upcoming pay-per-view elimination chamber. Big fan of both. He says, uh, well, it's pretty cool, it's right? Yeah, it's totally cool. Um, you know, I'm not a huge sports person. Like I, um, just I never have been but I you know but I've I've seen some of it like I I like it I certainly have friends who like love it when I told them they freaked out they're like this is the coolest thing ever yeah. uh you you have no idea you have you no idea what you're even talking about like it's so awesome <laughs> um it like and you know I'm talking about like hardcore fans that like go back and and really follow it like uh, right that know the storylines oh they know yeah. all of it my friend was telling me he's like you yeah. have to look up the undertaker like the undertaker's the ultimate like I'm like okay well I'll do my research I'll, I'll get on it so Tyler I'll get back to you with that with that question but uh or with that answer but it's exciting like any first of all any kind of placement or recognition of music in any in any way is is always a high compliment and just to, to be um you know thought of for something that is as huge and massively worldwide and and known as the WWE is is incredible so and, and what I, do you specifically for that song? Let me further this then. Uh, what do you specifically remember about recording? And so it went uh, not only the recording process, but also the video. Cause the video is very uh, trippy. It's, it's a little strange, right? Little <laughs> um, bit, yeah. Uh, and so it went well. And so it went um, when I wrote that I was kind of, it's, it's speaking of trippy. It's kind of trippy to me you know, having the song just come out now with everything that's going on in the world. And because some of those lyrics are just um, extraordinarily relevant in a way that's almost bizarre. Like I feel like I could have written it yesterday mm-hmm. um, and it was not, it was written, you know, way before the pandemic. And so that song came from a place where I was starting to kind of, I feel like a lot of people probably were, but I was starting to feel that there was, that the world was starting to shift in a, in a, maybe not so positive way of there was, I was starting to feel that there was a lot of civil unrest and there was this kind of 
I don't know, a weight that I was starting to notice um, that was, you know, coming from a place outside of myself. And that's, that's kind of where that song stems from of basically the world started to started to go crazy. And I, I wrote about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Very prophetic. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, does, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? Like, I think it's probably a little bit of both, um, which can be scary at sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so the, and so the video, I, you know, I really wanted to, I don't know exactly where videos come from. I, I spend a lot of time, anything with visuals, like from the album cover to the, to the videos, like I spend a lot of time conceiving of the idea in my head before actually getting on set um, because you have one day to, you know, film essentially like a movie um so music videos are always a little tricky because you you want to i always want to create a visual that expresses the energy of the song and and kind of um helps explain it in one way but also doesn't overpower it and doesn't take away from the from the music at all um but also it has to be entertaining you know because it's it's a music video that's what it's there for it's for entertainment um so i was i spent a lot of time watching great music videos like I, I i watched a lot of michael jackson and madonna and you know great rock videos pearl jam and um and oh, some annie like i think the pink suit idea actually came from loosely kind of based on annie lennox of so this kind of like structured powerful um image i was like i don't think i've worn a suit before that'll be something new like let's let's kind of play with fashion a little bit and, and make something that's kind of trippy and goes with the song but shows different sides of myself but also kind of has this dark overtone or undertone, however you want to see it. Um, so right. the whole thing actually kind of fits with the lyric. So it was, uh, I don't know, it came from a lot of different places, but I think it turned out pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. Do, do you ever feel though, that when you make a video like that, it will almost detract from the way that your fans are interpreting your song? Like, do you, does that ever come into play where you're like, I might fuck this up in the way that this person or my fans are seeing it. And, Oh yeah. And you're Absolutely. pulling them, you're pulling them away from the way that they're perceiving your music. Absolutely. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why I take so much time and care with conceiving of the idea beforehand. Just, cause, and you never really know how it's going to turn out, you know, until you actually do it. It's, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's something that, you know, I, I certainly struggle with it at times, um, not just visually, but also with even speaking about the music itself. Like I don't like to get too, in depth about what the songs are about to me and stuff. I kind of, I speak in generalities, not because I can't tell you what it's about to me, but because I think that that's unfair to you. Like that's going to take, you know, once the music, like when I'm creating it, I'm simply creating it for myself. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the way it should be. But once it's put out into the world, it doesn't matter what it's about to me anymore. It doesn't matter what I was writing about or what I was going through or what I was thinking or specifics like that, because it's, it doesn't belong to me any, anymore. It belongs to the listener. It belongs to you guys. And, and however you take it and however you interpret it and relate it to your own life, that's, that's what it is now. You know, it takes on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always am a little weary to get to, in depth. I mean, I, I learned this from Roger Waters actually, because oh. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. And, um, and I've watched, you know, every documentary, you know, ever made, which is just a billion of them. But, uh, there was one, I don't remember the name of it, but there was one that I saw and, um, and he went into detail about the song shine you crazy diamond and how it was about Sid Barrett and what it meant to him and like where he was at when he was writing it. And, and as interesting as that was to hear that story and hear it from his perspective, 
you know, granted, this is, you know, years and years later. So it's, it's coming from a different place. Like, I, I think it's a lot easier to speak about music when you've had, you know, when it's existed in the universe for, <laughs> and uh, for, you know, a, an ex- a very long period of time, yeah. but it, it changed. But after hearing that story, it, it changed the way I hear that song now, like forever. Like every time I hear that song, I now picture his story instead of how I used to connect to it as a kid. And so it's still great. But, it, you know, but it, in one way, I, I learned something, but in one way, I also felt like I something was taken away from me. So I'm, I'm very cautious to right. not, not go too far down the, the rabbit hole of explanation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Um, I want to bang off a few more uh, of your fan questions here before, I, before we uh, wrap it up here. Uh, Emma <laughs> wants to know just simply, what's your favorite song to play live? Oh man, that's an impossible question. At this <laughs> point, at this point, I will take any song, um, any song to play yeah, live, yeah. <laughs> like all of them and any of them, because uh, it's just I just miss touring so much. I miss playing. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to. We actually we have a lot of fun playing some of the older material, like when we go back and play stuff off of "Light Me Up," because it, it's almost taken on a new form at this point. Um, yeah. And so that stuff can be really fun to revisit. Uh, and always it's kind of a fun crowd reaction. Um, but it's anything, it's all of them, you know, they're all the songs are like my children. So anytime yeah. we get to play them, it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to playing this new record though. Like just cause obviously like for all the reasons I don't have to state. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Dave wants to know, he goes, ask her what her biggest accomplishment is in music. Oof. That's wow. a, that's a, loaded another, question another hard a, one it's a non-simple answer i think i think the biggest accomplishment is that we're still here and that we're still doing this um you know it, it's we've been a band for over a decade now we're on our fourth album um we've been through a lot of hell and back and like the fact that we're you know it's it's not you know it's rock and roll's not easy you know and it's and it's as azdc said it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and it you know it takes it takes a full on life, you know, life commitment um, of fully entrenching yourself in that and, and not wavering um, in any way. Like it's, it's, it's a full on, you know, mental commitment and, and lifestyle. And I think that it's impressive that we're still, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, and, and that we continue to grow. Like that's, that's the most important thing. Like as soon as you get, I feel like as soon as you get kind of, content or stagnant or you know pleased with yourself as an artist and you're like that was the best I can do well that's the death of an artist so like we're always trying to push forward and and better what we you know better what we've done previously and and I think that by sticking with that kind of mentality and and having that be the goal of the you know if you played a great show on Wednesday the show on Thursday has got to be better like it's that kind of you know like, you know, if you wrote a great song and then the next song's got to be better. Like it's, and that kind of mentality is, is really, I think the driving force of this band and, and the reason that we're still around. So I think that's the, that's the biggest accomplishment is just that we're still here doing it and, and we, you know, love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well said. Uh, Taylor, I want to respect your time. I'll ask you two more questions and then uh, we'll wrap it up. I know you got a bunch of more, you're, you're on your junket today. So um, what are you binge watching lately? Ooh, good question. Um, I feel like I hit the end of Netflix and I didn't think that was possible. So All right. <laughs> I actually what? ran out of, I ran out of television. Um, so yeah. I'm going back to a lot of kind of my, what I call like comfort shows. Um, so I've been watching a lot of like comedy, 
a lot of uh i'm a huge larry david fan so a lot of seinfeld a lot of curb your enthusiasm Kirby. yeah 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 um friends um not a comedy but i love law and order special victims unit and that's coming back on the air soon so i'm looking forward to that um and as far as new shows i'm obsessed with wandavision that's what i've been yeah it's great right the first episode is like all right that's a little funky it's a little past what i was expecting but it is so good it's so So good good. it's so good it's blowing my mind i wish i could binge watch it but i'm you know Friday nights. I'm, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like old school television. Yeah, viewing. I know. It's so, like, actually, it's like what it used to be like watching. Yeah, TV totally. Like back, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. So are, are you like a big, uh, I guess I'm asking three questions now then. So are you a big superhero fan? Like, are you into all of those superhero movies? And Oh yeah. Um, yeah. All, like all the Avengers, all the, anything Marvel I love. Um, and, uh, and well, it's not Marvel, but, and Buffy, it, it, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like oh, yeah. my favorite television shows of all time. Um, so was that Sarah uh, G- uh, Geller? No, what was her? Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Michelle Geller, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which which superpower would you want to have? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool to be Thor. Thor is awesome. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't know, it's like one power, but like you know. Yeah. To be, be a god like that wouldn't suck that would, that would be all right yeah uh last question it's an oddball have okay. you had a near-death experience and, and not um, where you're like floating over your body or some shit more like holy crap i could have died there uh yeah a, a couple um once when i was younger i almost drowned i got caught in a in a riptide um mm. and that was and i'm actually a very very good swimmer um i I, I live by the water and I, I swim for hours in the summer. Um, so that was unexpected and very scary. And then once that uh, was a little heavier and a little more recent that I won't get into, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it was certainly a wake up call that I needed to make some changes in my life. Fair, fair. Congratulations on the, uh, the new record death by rock and roll is outstanding. I've probably played it three, four times in the last <laughs> 48 hours just to make sure I was up to speed with our talk today. Well, thank uh, you so much. You're welcome. Uh, it's good to talk to you again. And let's, let's not make it nine years between the next times. Right. Let's do uh, that. Your, your, your band's Twitter is uh, at TPR official. Your Insta is at the pretty reckless, pretty easy to find you online. Thanks again, Taylor. Thank you. The Toddcast podcast on toddhancock.ca. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. 
You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.